Welcome to Fusion Home Church Fellowship Group. We got a small, intimate group tonight. A lot of people missing because of the exposure of the great resurgence of COVID, but that's okay. We're still going to have fun meeting outside. Everybody's safe. Um, CT this week, like normal, six o'clock, and next week. This time on Thursday, I mean, yeah, isn't it always six in the summer? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. At least this summer. Yeah, me questioning myself. Sorry. <laughs> Beach day next Thursday at West Branch. Probably six thirty. Getting together, right? Carlel will post something later. Carlel will probably post something later this week. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, so that's always a fun time. Go hang out, have a picnic maybe. I mean, definitely could do that. Yeah, why not? I like how this is panning out. (laughs) (laughs) I won't be there. (laughs) But uh, tonight we're going to be getting into 1 Timothy 4 on spiritual training. And Carlisle's teaching by himself, taking on burden of the whole teaching. So thank you, Carlisle. Um, I'll pray for us, and then Carlisle can come up here and get started. Thank you, God, for uh, wanting to train us and give us your wisdom. And we just want to um, pray for Carlisle, that you help him to uh, have the endurance here to teach the whole teaching by himself. Thank you for him filling in for Justin while he was sick. And um, just want to invite you into this meeting. Um, pray for your help in focusing, getting our minds off of uh, the stress of the day and stuff like that and um, thank you that we can be outside here in beautiful weather and just be able to get into your word so pray for your help and understanding amen thank you craig amazing well we're here ladies and gentlemen <laughs> let's uh hand out some verses before we get into the deep part of the teaching. Um, Evan, John 8, 44. Who else is over there? Derek, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Brenda, 1 Peter 2, 2. 2, 2. Lindsay, Proverbs 16, 16. And uh, I think that's where I'll stop handing out verses. Very good. Yeah, so like uh, Craig was saying, very interesting times. Last time I was up to teach, my uh, teaching partner decided that that night they're going to have a baby. So uh, Kevin came in the day before and prepared something. Uh, Tonight, teaching partner has COVID. So uh, stay tuned for next time I teach. Who knows what's going to happen to them. But let's just pray for them right now. <laughs> Pretty amazing. My timing is just, it's just great. But spiritual training, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. It gets pretty exciting thinking about training for something, especially something so meaningful, you know. Some of us definitely want to go hard in the paint for Jesus. You know, this is something I want to be hardcore about. How can I learn more about Jesus? Give it to me all right now. You know, we had the Dwell Summer Institute, like I think it was last week, 
formerly known as Xenos Summer Institute, basically just this big conference where all these pastors come from all over, really sometimes all over the world. Amazing teachings. I mean, mind-blowing teachings. Sometimes when you leave there, you feel so supercharged where you're like, I want to read the entire Bible today. This is awesome. I love it. And then the next day, you're like, oh, man, what did I even learn the past few days? You know, it fizzles out so fast. So that's why in chapter four of 1 Timothy, it's very exciting because Paul's going to be teaching us how to turn to spiritual discipline, how to spiritually train. Uh, And he does this with athletic imagery. So I'm going to be throwing out some athletic wording. So if if you don't don't know sports, hopefully you can follow along with me. That's okay. But he's really bridging everything together. You know, the past few weeks we've been talking about deacons and leaders and elders and uh, aspiring to this position of leadership. And so now this all kind of comes full go in chapter 4. So we're going to be in uh, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 11. For those who didn't get verses, just stick there and I'll be reading through. So we're going to get these three tips, if you're taking notes, three tips or suggestions for spiritual training and growth. Paul's going to tell us how to get swole in the Lord. So let's start in our passage, 1 Timothy 1 through 2. I'm recording. Oh, you are? Yeah, I figured. figured Okay, thank you. Yeah, no problem. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Now the Holy Spirit tells us that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that will come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. So tip number one we have here is to avoid harmful training routines. And real quick before I go into this point, the last times, the last days, some translations may say that gets kind of confusing. I know growing up, my church used to say that all the time. We're living in the last days. We're living in the last days. I didn't know what that meant. But last days basically, or the last times, start the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ until his second coming. So we are in the last times, the last days. So that's what he's mentioning here, these last times. People will turn away from the true faith. So avoiding uh, harmful training routines. We see two different uh, harmful training routines in this passage. The first one is going to be false teachings, where he says deceptive spirits that come from demons. Whew, that's intense. Uh, They bring this false approach to spiritual growth. This false message. Actual demons and Satan are bringing in these false teachings into the body of Christ. Satan's always been a deceiver. We see this all over the New Testament. Book after book, one of the main ways he approaches people uh, is through deceiving. How can he stir up false teachings in the midst? Which we're going to see here later in 1 Timothy. But that's the way he always attacks, through false teachings. A little bit about Satan here. We see in John eight forty four. Who had that? Uh, you are you have your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not Oof. stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yeah, how would you like that described you? Whenever he lies, it is consistent with his character. Whew. So Satan is all about lying. Satan's all about bringing in false teachings. So we need to avoid this. He really knows how to steer Christians away from God. He knows how to mess them up. You know, I've had friends in my walk who were all for the Lord. Um, continually growing, 
gaining more knowledge. And then somehow, at some point, they start believing in these false teachings. The next thing I know, they have an atheistic view towards God. He doesn't even exist anymore. How did they get from that point of being all for God, and now he does, he's not even real? Satan, deceiver. So we see demons bringing false teachings, these false training routines. Next one, we have humans. Hypocritical humans. Oh, no. These people, they don't even believe what they're saying. They're saying things. They don't even believe it, but they're just saying it. We see this a lot in uh, pastors, megachurches. You know, usually there's something that comes out eventually. They're in some type of secret sin. They don't even believe in what they've been preaching. Uh, usually it's, you know, maybe even greed is their main motivation. I was reading this article about atheistic pastors. Believe it or not, they do exist. And one of them said, you know, what other job could I find where I go up, I say some words, I make people feel good, and I get paid for it. Human cause, false teachers, hypocritical. And it talks about in this passage, the um, for Timothy 4.2, about how their consciences are dead. In the Nasby translation, it talks about that their conscience is seared, literally cauterized, uh, which is like super callous. They don't feel anything anymore. They've been lying for so long, they're just numb. Nothing is the truth for them. Desensitized. An interesting article, again, I, I, I was blown away by this. It's from the Cultural Research Center. I'm going to read to you just a couple of quotes from this. Based on a personal interview with 2,000 adults, the Cultural Research Center found that most common worldview best described as syncretism. So what is syncretism? Great question. That's the summary name for uh, disparate or different irreconcilable collection of beliefs and behaviors that define people's lives. It's a cut and paste approach to making sense of and responding to life. Rather than developing an internally consistent and philosophically coherent perspective on life, Americans embrace points of views or actions that feel comfortable or seem most convenient. Those beliefs and behaviors are often inconsistent or even contradictory, but few Americans seem troubled by those findings. Leading the way in biblical understanding of life purpose and its calling, senior pastors are among 60%. 60% are consistently biblical. 48% of children's and youth pastors, 48%. 41% of associate pastors. Here's the one that's the kicker to me. 36% of teaching pastors. The dudes that are teaching, 36%. And 27% of executive pastors, which who even knows what that means. But the point still remains the same. These guys are uh, very few and far between that are actually having a biblical outlook on life. It's amazing. There's this movement that we talked about a few years ago called The Rise of the Nuns. The N-O-N-E-S, which is very um, strong in the millennial generation, also Gen Z. Basically, they're just religiously unaffiliated. They don't identify with anything. And I wonder why. Probably because 36% of teaching pastors don't even uh, have a biblical outlook on life. Quite amazing. So we have human costs, and we have demonic costs. Let's continue on for Timothy 4, 3. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. Very interesting. That's what's going on in the church 
that Paul's writing uh, to Timothy about. False teachings, teaching that you have to suppress your appetite uh, to be closer to God. Marriage, which is literally ordained by God, they're saying that's wrong. Uh, that's not the path to spiritual growth. Really, it's depriving yourselves of these things. It's called asceticism, which is a new word I learned. Very interesting. Asceticism basically means that you're punishing your body to believe that you're going to have more spiritual growth. Depriving yourself of things that God has created, and then that way, when you deprive yourself of these things, God will love you more. Even though God created these things, uh, it's basically saying God would love if I punish myself. That's asceticism, a very negative picture of God, which is so crazy to think about because literally the next verse, well, sorry, the second half of First Timothy 4, 3, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. God created those foods to be eaten. Uh, 1 Timothy six seventeen. you got that? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, Richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. It doesn't say anywhere to shun your physical bodily desires. God wants us to enjoy the things that he's created. That being said, it's really easy to take this uh, too far. So we've got to have some qualifications here or we'll go a little too crazy. For Timothy 4, 4-5 in our passage here, since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God in our prayer. So when we say everything is good, we want to keep in mind everything is good the way God intended it to be. How God intended it to be. You know, iron, pretty pretty good tool. Iron does a lot of cool stuff, right? But if you were to take iron, shape it into a knife, and stab someone, that is definitely not the way God intended for iron to be used. So you have to have the proper context, okay? And we can use many, many examples of people utilizing things not the way God intended to be. So there's the first one, avoiding harmful training routines, a.k.a. false teachings. Next up, we got nutrition. Yummy. Everybody loves nutrition, right? Okay, there's three three people (laughs) out of 12 people here who love nutrition. I mean, maybe it's just me. I love food. 1 Timothy 4, 6. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus. One who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. So some solid scriptural teaching. That's what keeps us healthy. Not denying us this important thing. Uh, it's a very popular passage. First Timothy, uh, well, First Peter 2.2. 2. Who had that? Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. Uh, but it says long for it. What about uh, you guys? I like the New Living Translation on this, where it says it craves. You're literally craving for the pure spiritual milk. Very good, though. Very good translation. Um, which begs the question, do you crave the Word of God? Do you crave the Word of God? Are you interested in carrying your knowledge further with Him? To have fresh insight. I thought about this, you know, carrying your, your knowledge further to have fresh insight. What does that look like? Because we're reading the passage, 
do we get the same thing out each time? No. There are many applications. We can learn many things from going through the passages over and over again, the Lord can show you. In fact, studying for this teaching, not one teaching was the same. <laughs> so there's, there, are, there are many applications that could be had. But I think it's hard for us, I was thinking about our church and how we handle carrying knowledge further. I think that we definitely struggle with like the feeling of I have arrived. I don't know about you guys, but like we have our uh, leadership training course or theology course, whatever you want to call it, which is a college level theology course. And I don't know about you, but like when I'm done with one class, I'm like, thank God I never have to take that class again. <laughs> I have arrived. I've passed or failed. Maybe some people here, maybe, you know, you, you've gone through basic Christianity, which is like an introduction course or Old Testament study, New Testament survey, whatever they call it. And it's like, okay, I did my part. I've taken my class. I have arrived. I have gained knowledge. No more is needed because I've taken the one class they provided. That's not really craving the word of God. Craving uh, to further your knowledge, to have fresh insight. It, uh, it does take a different outlook. Because some, in the moment, those classes are pretty hard. But in the end, it's like you're, you're pursuing further knowledge of the Lord and his word. There's this book I'm reading, which ironically, neither of them are here, <laughs> with Tim and Dan. It's called Point Man. And we just read this chapter about um, how we starve ourselves from the word. He calls it uh, being spiritually anorexic, which I think is a very polarizing word to use. Because when you think about it deep down, you are starving yourself from the word of God. However far along you go without reading it, you're starving yourself. Something that you need daily, you're starving yourself from. So, you want to be eating the word of God like your life depends on it. Finding that nutrition in the word. Here's a beautiful passage in Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 16. Who had that? That was me. Hey. Oh. Oh. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen above silver. Wow. Gold's pretty nice. I mean, you guys, I could use a few gold bricks around. <laughs> Silver's pretty I'll take some silver bricks, too. But he's saying here in Proverbs, from Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, knowledge, wisdom, is better than gold itself. And understanding is to be chosen above silver. So I'll have a few challenges spread out throughout this teaching. If I just put a note here, minimize distractions. You know, when you say you want to read the word, do it. Minimize the distractions. Get a paper Bible. Don't have your phone. It's very easy to just, whoop, got a message or whatever. And now you're not even, 10 minutes later, you, you haven't read the plan that you were trying to read. Get a daily reading plan. We're go I'm going through Proverbs with a few guys. And, uh, man, that is a cool book on wisdom. Very good. And, uh, you know, it's like they say, if you want to be a leader, then you got to be a reader. Hey. I made that up, like, today. So that was pretty good. Three people laughed. Very good. But if you want to be a leader, you got to be a reader. Isn't that kind of catchy, right? But I guarantee if you talk to a leader, I'll usually have this interaction with Greg, who was just over here. Yes, Greg. I'll pay you $2 if he says no. If he asks Greg, are you reading more than two books right now at this time? Greg will say, 
I'm probably reading four books. <laughs> Greg is Greg Morshire. It's the elder in our church. He's always reading something, you know, or he's always doing some type of outline and everything. And it's true. You see that, you see that quality in leaders where they're always reading something. They're always trying to further their knowledge on how they can lead uh, better. So let's continue on. First Timothy 4, 7. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. I really hope you guys have heard that expression before, old wives' tales. Is that, like, phased out, or people still say that? People still say that? Okay. All right, that's cool. I haven't heard that in a very long time. But in regards to this passage, it just basically means, in the nicest terms, idiotic fable tales. These women, these old women, were designated as old wives, and they would go around spreading tales of false gods. Uh, so literally, he means, don't listen to these old women. <laughs> Instead, train yourself to be godly. So don't focus on the false teachings, but get nourished on sound doctrine. All right, so that's nourishment. Last one here is keep focus on your goal. When you're spiritually training yourself, you want to be disciplined. You want to keep focus on your goal. First Timothy 4, 8 through 9. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this lifetime and in a life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. I was reading the NASB for this a little bit, and it says bodily training is just slightly beneficial. I said, okay, that's pretty interesting. Flipped over to KJV just for funsies, and it says bodily training profiteth little. <laughs> you guys ever profiteth little something? <laughs> All right. So bodily training Slightly beneficial. But what's really important is the spiritual training, training for godliness. The Greek would translate this bodily training for a little time is beneficial. And by a little time, they mean this life. As you know, uh, there's only so much physical training can do as you get older. Things start to fizzle out a little bit. But it is necessary to train while you're here. Physical training is good. You get, you're more alert, typically sleep better. A little more energy. Dopamines are going crazy. I used to be a hardcore runner, believe it or not. It's funny to say that now because I'm like, I haven't run in forever. But there was a point where I loved running so much, I was running about four miles three to four times a week. And I remember explicitly, explicitly? Yes. This one time I was running, I did my four miles. And then I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or what they call runner's high. Probably runner's high. <laughs> but this like crazy energy exploded in me. And I ran for two and a half, four months, just for no reason. No good reason at all. <laughs> it was very, very strange. But I was physically training. I was alert, you know, definitely slept better. I was more active. Now I don't run anymore. Uh, I definitely feel weaker, get winded pretty easily, can't really go on hikes, or I'm like super dead. I'm trying to get back to that point eventually, but I've reaped the repercussions of not physically training. So there are advantages to this in this lifetime for some physical training. But I say this because the same thing applies to spiritual training. The less and less you do it, the, the, the more weak you become, the more easy you are to be uh, susceptible to deceivement. Um, you can't just be floating around and, and hoping that God just teach me stuff and give me wisdom and I'm just going to sit here 
And you're the God of the universe, so just like zap it into me. No, you have to go out, just like when I was running, I had to go out to the track and physically train. You have to do that with the word. You have to go and grab your Bible or listen to that spiritual teaching or book. You do notice it too, like when you are in this kind of spiritually uh, weak area where you haven't really been training, where you tend to get bitter more. It's hard to uh, receive maybe someone's trying to speak truth into your life. It's very hard to receive that. Your inside is so cloudy. For me especially, I feel like everyone's against me. You know, everyone's just trying to get me. This is my day. All right, I need to fight back. Uh, you feel lost, you know. Things aren't very clear. And it's a stark difference to when you're spiritually training, you're in tune with the Lord. You see a lot more clear. Yes, you can still get better, but it's easier to forgive. So spiritual training promises benefits in this life. According to this passage, that's what Paul is saying. Physical training is good for a little, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So I want to turn to you guys here for a little bit. What does he mean? What benefits do spiritual training give us in this life? What have you seen in your lives that the spiritual training where you're getting into the word and you're gaining knowledge, what type of benefits does that provide? Stability? Yeah. Okay. It, for me, it's like a, my emotions are all over and I can easily get tossed about by whatever random thought comes in my brain. And so having uh, a scripture that's like, this is what's true, helps clear that up a lot. Yeah. Stability, that's very good. I was going to say almost exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Anxiety and like things are new. Oh, yes. Like, you know, I know this is true, and I know it because I studied this, and I remember this thing that you know, kind of builds back up. Like, what's real? Mm. So, in the passage, Paul is talking about how spiritual training for godliness is uh, promising benefits in this life. What does that look like? We understand what, what's to come in heaven, but what about in this life? I think clarity. Clarity? Yeah. Things, you know, in the spiritual realm, but also in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no confusion, you know. Yeah. You're never pretty, uh, pretty clear. So it's easier to act on things, it's easier to make decisions, it's easier to distinguish between the important and the urgent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was very good. Honestly, joy. Joy? Yeah. Yeah, you were saying, like, that bitterness that you get. I can't tell you how many times, I'm sure you've all experienced this, where you start Peace. Thank you, Alex. Your voice changed, but very good. Peace. Yeah. Very true. Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Yeah. Versus like the secular worldly love. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a pretty good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Very good, Melanie and Alex. It's a duo team back there. 
Yeah, one thing I thought about specifically in my life is is what Brenda was kind of hitting on, the ability to love, sacrificial love. You know, a lot of my uh, relationships probably would fall through the cracks if, um, you know, I wasn't taught through spiritual books or, or teachings about the importance of relationships. Yeah. Being in an apartment with six other people, uh, that doesn't really happen. <laughs> but uh, I think that's probably where the hardcore learning happened was in those apartments where we're, we're crammed in together and we have to love each other, you know, or things will, will explode. And um, that's not good. And some of my best relationships are from being in those apartments. Crammed in there with a bunch of guys, but we were uh, growing in our, our walks with the Lord and also in our relationships with each other. So it was very good. I wish Carrie was here. I was going to ask her about, uh, I'm sure that they, I lived with them for like eight months and uh, I was like 19. <laughs> so I'm sure that uh, my walk definitely wasn't very good at that time. So I wanted to ask her, does she see any difference? <laughs> And I'm sure she would reply no, but no, no. <laughs> but uh, next time, next time. All right, so let's draw some conclusions. For those of us here who are Christians, we have a relationship with, with, with Christ. I have a few things I want to leave you with. One thing is God wants to be your spiritual trainer. He wants to be your spiritual trainer, which is amazing. The God of the universe doesn't get any better than that. He wants to be your trainer. But it does take initiative on our part, just like physically. If you had a physical trainer, you have to go to the gym. You have to pay the guy, but also you have to go to the gym and meet him and train. Um, so it takes initiative. We have to go to our word and train. We have to listen to um, you know, spiritual teachings or reading some type of spiritual book. Uh, be nourished on the word. It's important not to starve ourselves. We don't do it with food. So why would we do that with spiritual food? Keep focused on the goal. How can you stay disciplined on this topic of spiritual training and discipline? Avoiding false teachings. Here's a big one. How do you guys even know what I said tonight is true? You read the Bible. I read the Bible. Yeah. You got the Bible. So I... <laughs> so, we know it's in the Bible. You know it's in the Bible. Yeah. Do you? Testing the spirits. Testing the spirits. How do you know I'm not teaching the false teaching right now? very good that's what i'm talking about the avoiding false teachings are you honed in on the word to know when you're listening to a false teaching you're able to call that out i'm sure you would if i was saying something crazy up here don't be content that's the biggest one for me i definitely struggle with laziness and sometimes reading the bible just isn't very fun i rather play video games or do literally anything else Besides read the Bible. I'm content with that too at times. And that's something we should definitely avoid. Now how can we challenge ourselves? Like we're going to the gym spiritually. How can we challenge ourselves and do this? I challenge my guys, my discipleship, and myself. And I'm going to toss this out to you too. If you decide to take this challenge. The uh, Dallas Theological Seminary online has a load of free courses. This is a, a reputable seminary. I've been told many times to go check it out. And, uh, you know, I was in that contentment zone where I was not all about it. But uh, reading that Point Man book I was talking about, 
And studying for this teaching, I mean, lit a fire for sure. And I want to try at least one of those courses to see how it goes because I'm definitely content. I took LTC. Ah, I'm good until the next LTC. Oh, wait, this isn't my LTC. Ah, I got a whole nother year before I got to worry about studying the word again. You know, <laughs> it's so easy to be content. It's so easy to just be content. And that's it. So if we're aspiring to be leaders, we're, we're aspiring to be closer to the Lord in our walks. And we've already talked about the benefits that it has in this life. We should not be content with where we are. We should be content with, uh, we should be more focused on being disciplined and growing in our knowledge. How can we grow more with the Lord? And those of you who are in relationship with, with Jesus Christ, uh, I want to leave with a couple of verses. Finishing up our passage here. 1 Timothy 4, 10 through 11. This is why we work hard and, con- uh, and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God who is the savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learns them. Did you know that the God of the universe is the savior of all people, no matter who they are? He is the savior of all people, including you. You're never too far away from God. You're not too dirty. You don't have to be clean. He meets you exactly where you are. A beautiful verse here, also in 1 Timothy 2, we went over this earlier, 3 through 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. That's the beauty of, of what God has already done. Jesus Christ came down and died for everyone's sins. He's already paid the cost. But the problem is, you paid for it. There's a bunch of checks laying around. Some people take them and, and, and enter in a relationship with them. Some people take them and just throw them away. It's not something I want to do. Not a part, I don't want to be a part of a relationship with Christ. But he still wants you to be in a relationship with him. First Timothy 2.6, he gave his life. That's how he purchased. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. That's the check. And it's very simple to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He doesn't make you jump through a bunch of hoops, uh, sign a bunch of waiver fees or whatever, you know, but just to believe in him. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. God came down in flesh to solve our sin problem. And he's done everything for you. What's left is just for you to reach out, to believe and to receive the grace that he's given for you. Uh, just simply saying that you, you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. It's that easy. So think about that tonight uh, as we fellowship and hang out. You know, God loves you. He's the Savior of all people. And he loves you. He wants you to be in a relationship with him. So, that's all I had. Are there any questions or comments?